eight-week series called Vision. We do it every year, pretty much. And what, basically what this series is about is it talks about who we are as a church, where we've been, and where we're going. And um, this particular series, these three, um, I wanted to let you in on some conversations that our leadership team has been having together. I've been here now nine years uh, as your senior pastor, and so I'm in, I'm, I'm in my 10th years. And next January, it'll, it'll, I'll have a 10-year anniversary where we're going to have a, a carnival here, and uh, the Blue Angels are going to fly over, and um, it's going to be awesome. And, and, and everyone will donate $1,000, and it'll be, it'll be really great. But that, that's coming. We're still in the planning stages. Um, but uh, in any event, uh, so we do this every year to kind of look at what, what's our mission? Who, who are we? And, and for some of you, if you're new, this is just a great series for you because you get to see what is this church all about? We just finished up, you know, where we've been. We've just finished up uh, doing our patio and remodeling our bathrooms. And um, one of the visions behind remodeling our campus was that I, I wanted people when they came on our campus to, that the outside of the um, campus would reflect the health of the inside. And so oftentimes what, we'd ha- what would happen is someone would visit and they'd tell me, and this story would happen all the time, they'd say, wow, your church is really nice. I didn't, I didn't know that when I drove up. Like, like it just had this sense of, 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 of just a different look. And so now as we begin to do that and over the next few months we'll have the buildings painted um, and we'll have the fellowship hall completed and all these different things. We just want the health of the outside of the building to reflect the health that's on the inside. And so we do that. The other thing we look at is we look at our mission statement. Why do we do what we do? Who are we? And if you look on your bulletin on the back of that is you'll see it down there, our mission statement. Living Spring exists to reach um, our neighborhood and surrounding cities with the love of the Father, to uh, restore lives, to healthy relationship in the Son, to respond to a move of the Spirit. And so as we got ready for this particular series, um, I began conversations with our leadership team. Is, is this really what's happening? Are we, how well are we doing our mission statement? Who are we now as a church and do we need to tweak some things? And so we began to, we've begun this process of really looking at that. And I thought it would be good for um, all of us to just, for you to hear the tension and the, and the type of things we talk about as we begin to move forward into 2015, because we are very, very excited about 2015. Uh, and so um, every, every year I show you these circles. There's, um, uh, these are uh, five concentric circles that represent a different type of person. The first one um, represents the community. And that, that, that is the fact that we, Living Spring, have an address. <clears throat> We're here. We're at 9851 Bixby. And so we, we have a location. And so because of that, we're involved in a community. And for those of you who've been involved in our Be the Church campaign, where we go out and fix up homes, we fixed up, fixed up 14 homes, and we have two more already slated for this next Be the Church campaign where we ditch church and we go out. And uh, for those of you who are involved in Toys for Tots this year, that has to do with being part of a community. We know our city officials. We, 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 we are interested in what's going on in our city and the surrounding cities. Some of you come from Orange and Santa Ana and Anaheim and all that. We're, we're interested in all that. It's our, it's our community. And so that's, that represents that kind of concentric band. And then um, 
there's the crowd. And these are the people who would make it on campus. We had a crowd event earlier, um, a few months ago, in our art show. And we had hundreds of people come on campus and come into this sanctuary who we've never, the majority of the people who attended that don't attend our church. They were just part of the, the crowd. We had um, this summer, we did our, uh, or not this summer, but uh, uh, moving into uh, summer and fall, we had our food truck event. And that was just to get, a, just to get the crowd. Just to, look, you can come on campus. We're not going to bite you. We're not going to hurt you. Go, you know, enjoy the patio. Eat some food from the food trucks or whatever. There, there's the crowd. Then there's the congregation. And that's anyone who would call Living Spring their church. Now, some people... Um, attend once a year, maybe twice a year. They're um, uh, CEOs, Christian Easter only, okay? And so, you know, it, it's just, uh, I know, it's a stupid pastor joke, but I never get tired of it. Um, and, and so that, but you would say, do you go to church? Yeah, I only go on Christmas, Christmas or Easter. Where do you go? Living Spring. They'd be part of the congregation. And then there's you guys, you know, for the majority, that's uh, the committed. You're trying to get here every week. Um, no matter what, even when it rains, you're just like, I don't even care. You just you know, get in there, you know, and they're like, I want to sleep in. No, we're committed. And you're dragging your family, you know, by their hair into the car and go, this is an act of worship, you know, and they, you kind of go do your, do your whole thing. And uh, it's better because we're here. I told you, you know, get into children's ministry. Okay, so that's the committed. And, and, and you, you commit by being here. You commit with your giving. You commit with your prayers. And then there's the core. And this is, these are the people who kind of eat, live, breathe, and sleep living spring. I mean, you're, you, you want to know what's going on. You're, you've been involved for a long time. You're just, you're just, you love living spring. I mean, this is, this is kind of it. Now, we're always trying to get people to go from one band to the next band. We, we want people in the community to come on campus and come to an event. We want people in the crowd to become uh, part of the congregation and, and so on, committed in the core. And so our mission statement tries to cover all these different bands. And so reach, the, 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 the one we have for reach, is to kind of go out into the community, go out and get a crowd, okay? Kind of just go out. So we're not just our holy huddle of living spring, but, but we, we're a part of the community. Restore is like now that you're here, we want you to be changed by the power of the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit in a relationship with Jesus, and so we, we, that rest, restoration process, we would say, is you becoming who God first planned you to be. So you're not strapped down with all this baggage and sin and all these types of things that you're restored. And then that doesn't happen just for self-betterment. It happens to respond to a move of the Spirit. You'll notice in your life that God has given you gifts. He shaped you a certain way. And he'll begin to direct you and guide you. And there'll become a time when you have to respond to that. Maybe go talk to somebody. Maybe, maybe uh, change your uh, habits and your spending. And now all of a sudden you find yourself giving to a church and you thought, I would never do that. And that's just a response to the Holy Spirit. And ba- basically what we've been talking about you know, all over the years is that we become uh, taking someone from a first-time visitor to a fully devoted follower of Christ. Well, this morning what we want to talk about is the reach part. But... As we've discussed in our leadership team, and as I look out and see who, who we are as a church, I, I, I've been wrestling with the idea of reach. 
Because REACH has this idea that we're kind of a group, and then we go out to those who are out, and we bring them in to the group. Um, uh, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you would call it like winning souls or go, um, you know, kind of getting into the world or the lost or whatever. Like, like um, Bob was talking today, uh, we were talking a little bit, and he said it's like we're in a boat and we reach down and grab you out of the, the drowning. And, and, and while there's an element to that, and there certainly is, the Bible is filled with all that type of language. As I begin to see how people really come to Christ, it's not necessarily like that. What we've noticed at Living Spring and who we are is that we kind of allow people to belong before they believe. As a matter of fact, when I look around and I can see some of your faces and I know some of your stories, that exactly was your story. You began to attend Living Spring, and you're just kind of like, oh, I don't know if church is a good idea or whatever, and all of a sudden you began to find yourself changing. When Chelsea gave her testimony at her baptism, she shared the story, and I don't mean to mess it up, but um, she said, you know, I was here. You told me to pray, so I started praying. You told me to serve. I started serving. You told me to read my Bible. I started reading my Bible, and one day I woke up, and I went, I think I think I believe in Jesus, <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of living spring. One time I was asked uh, when I came to Christ, when when what was the day of my salvation, and I and I joke and I, I still say the same thing. It was either in junior high, the middle of high school, but definitely by college. <laughs> like that's my story. I think I accepted Christ in junior high, but you could not see any change in my life whatsoever, okay? And then by high school, I was, I, I knew, I really knew what I should be doing, and I believed I should be doing it. Um, and then um, by college, I was pretty much, I, I was in, okay? So that was my journey. And so what we began to talk about is, does reach really um, encapsulate all that's going on. What, what, what's the tension? And, and so I, I, I wrote this little diagram just to help myself think a little bit. It, it used to be that church or, or being a Christian, you were part of a, of a circle. And, and going back farther and farther in our, in our history, you know, you've probably experienced, if you're older, you've experienced more and more of that where you, know, you went to a church, you had a certain denomination, you had a certain thing, and that was it. And there was, there was us against the world. And so there was those who were in, and those were um, the Christians or those in your church. And sometimes, I mean, as crazy as it gets, some denominations are like, Unless you're part of this denomination, you're not in. And then some, it's not only are you not part of this denomination, you're not part of this church. I mean, that is the in crowd. And then anything outside of that circle is out. And then I put this one poor dude right here on the edge who's just like, he doesn't know what's going on. He's miserable, okay? So he doesn't know if he's in and out. He can't figure out which way he's up. You know, he's just like, I don't want to do, you know. So, so and there's all sorts of variations of this. And you've probably experienced this even if uh, not in the church, but maybe in an organization that you joined. Maybe because the color of your skin or because of the way you talk or whatever, there's been a sense where you feel either in or out or all this kind of stuff. But as I look at Living Spring, and I know our stories, and I know our journey, and I know who, who ends up sticking here, this seems to be more our model, where you have Jesus, 
And, 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 and Jesus is our rabbi. He's our teacher. He's what we're going for. I want to be a husband like Jesus would be a husband. I want to be a worker like Jesus would be a worker. I want to be a father like Jesus would be a father. Uh, you know, and not just masculine, but if you're a wife, you want to lead a, be a wife like all the attributes of Jesus would be a wife or whatever. But I want to be a leader like Jesus would be a leader. And, and so really what Living Spring is about is the idea is anyone can belong as they're making their way towards Jesus. And so if, if your life trajectory is kind of heading towards Jesus, you will feel a part of this. this. This is why oftentimes someone will come here and they won't even believe really that the Bible is real. They don't like un- even understand that kind of language. Yet there's something they know needs to change in their lives. And I would say that is the Spirit of Christ working in you. And so... To belong at Living Spring really means to just partner with each other as we are journeying to become like Christ. Now, that's different than us being something that goes out to get them. We go and get them. And so this is the, this is the thing that we've been wrestling with. Do we keep reach as one of our things when really... We're really a place of belonging, a place of healing, a place of next steps, a place of partnering together. That you can actually become, uh, you can actually be a part of something here without, you know, having all your beliefs right in a row. Well, for some of us who've been Christians for a long, long time, that makes us a little uncomfortable because we say, well, but you got to believe certain things. It's not UNICEF where we can all just kind of go to a rally and donate money and all be a, a part of something. There, there are some things. And next week, we're going to talk about that. What does it mean to believe? But at Living Spring, you can belong before you have all your beliefs in line. And so the question of reach, and I want to talk about this morning, is really more about belonging. What does it mean to belong? What does it mean to be a part of something? When Living Spring says we want to go outside our walls into our community, the idea of reaching is awesome. I love that idea. But what does it mean to then, once you've reached, to be a part of a bigger community? Because when you begin to belong to something of, uh, that's truly diverse, ethnically, age-wise, socioeconomically, you're going to start getting pushed and pulled in ways that maybe you didn't feel comfortable in the past. Uh, In feels a lot safer, doesn't it? Than just kind of journeying with everybody and belonging. Well, to know what it means to belong, I want to go all the way back to what does the gospel mean? Uh, In the Bible, you'll see in the New Testament, a lot of times it talks about the gospel. That just means good news. What is the good news? What, what is this idea? And, and, and then there's lots of different answers that people would give, and, and to some extent, they're all correct. So some person might say the gospel is that you're a sinner, uh, and you need to realize you're a sinner, and when you realize you're a sinner, you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness. He died on the cross. Uh, his death paid for your sins, and so you can now spend eternity with God. And that absolutely is part of the good news. But the underlying narrative of the good news is that there is a heavenly father who created you, knows you, and loves you, and wants to restore uh, a relationship with you. Invites you into relationship with him. And this goes all the way back to this guy named Abraham. 
Now, uh, Jonathan, who runs our youth uh, group, he's going to be talking about this too on Tuesday night. So if you know someone who's in junior high or high school on Tuesday night, we have our youth group. And he's going to be talking about Abraham and David and Jesus and how it all ties up together. But Abraham was called by God. And the idea, what was going to happen was Abraham, who didn't have any kids, God said, you're going to have tons of kids. And, and he and his wife were kind of old. So, oh, and so they couldn't have kids because, see, here's what happens. Your body, no, I'm just kidding. Um, and so they, 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 this is the promise to Abraham. And watch what God says. He says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. Now, that feels like an in-crowd type thing. I mean, if you're part of the nation of Israel and God has called you, the Bible, it says they were chosen. They're like a, they're like a, um, uh, in, later on the, in the New Testament, the rhetoric is like you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? Like you're like, you're like in the in-crowd. And this is some of that nationalistic type of rhetoric. They will become a great and powerful nation. And Israel is it in this kind of the center. Now, why would God choose? That seems kind of, um, well, not fair. I mean, if, I'm, if I'm jamming around and I'm a Greek person and I'm just jamming around being Greek and all of a sudden it's like, you know, hey, would you like to, you know, sorry, you're not Jewish. You can't be in the in crowd. Watch what it says. It's so fascinating. It says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all the nations on earth will be, what What would you expect there? You have a great and powerful nation. All the other would be um, jealous, Uh, would be uh, in subjection to the nation of Israel. All the other ones would be on the outside looking in. All the other nations will be hoping they could be like Israel. I mean, I don't don't know what, what you'd expect to read there. But I think what comes next is the key to the gospel. It says this. And all the nations on the earth will be blessed. Will be blessed. I ought to step on anybody's toes, but you might have a favorite nation on this earth. that You hope it gets, you know, wins, uh, is the best nation in the earth. Is your ultimate goal that that nation, the one you're picking in your mind, Slovakia or whatever it is, uh, (laughs) that when that nation is great, all the nations will be blessed? See, this, this is the gospel. The gospel is this, that we would live our lives in such a way, have a relationship with our Heavenly Father that is so real, that all those around us would be blessed. That we could journey alongside of them. Rather than trying to convince them, they would be blessed because of how we're living our lives. This is why for us, Be the Church and Toys for Tots are so vitally important to our mission of reaching, if you will. Is because we want to be a church that as the love of Christ is flowing through us, as we begin to kind of work out our salvation, if you will, or figure out stuff where we're being restored and being changed, that that would filter out. Here's what I wrote down just to kind of remind myself. Our job as Christians is not so much to convince. It's not to go reach, like I'm going to go out and convince you Jesus is the way, I'm going to get all my facts in a row and all that kind of stuff. It's not so much to convince as it is to come alongside. 
Hey, what are you going through? Well, listen, I, I've gone through that too. And as people begin to just take little steps toward Christ, they begin to belong. They're welcome here. And we journey with you. I'm not trying to convince you. Now, again, next week we'll talk about some beliefs. Make no mistake, if you don't believe in the Bible or Jesus or any of that kind of stuff, you are welcome here and you can belong. But I just, I'm warning you, I'm going to try to get you to believe some stuff. I mean, that's just my job. I, it's what I believe. I'm going to try and get you to believe it. But in the meantime, you can belong before you believe. My job is not to convince you. It's to come alongside you. And I think that's the job of every Christian. Um, I had a neighbor in, um, when we lived in Lakewood. And uh, this neighbor uh, would go to the desert to ride motorcycles, which is awesome. Like, don't think I'm going to, if you go to the desert to ride motorcycles, I'm coming down on you. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Not work on your motorcycle at 11 o'clock at night. Okay, this, that's all I'm asking, okay? And if you do work on your motorcycle at 11 o'clock at night, test it the next day, not at 11 o'clock at night. Okay, that's all. And so I had this neighbor. He'd have all his buddies over. They'd have all their motorcycles. They'd be in the garage, and they'd be out of the garage, and they'd be all this kind of stuff, and they'd put new stuff on their motorcycle. And then it came time to test it. They'd be like, like at, at, at 11. Now, I had this thing at the time called a job. And, and what that job required was that I had to wake up early. And so if you were testing your motorcycle at 11, 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, and you're drinking uh, and you're smoking weed, that doesn't help me <laughs> get to sleep for my job. Especially when I don't have air conditioning. I got to have the windows open and you are right over the wall from me. And the ocean breeze kind of like takes everything there. I like wake up in the morning and want like a whole bag of Cheetos. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're affecting me. Okay? Now, I wasn't a pastor then, so what I'm about to tell you right now is just, just take it with God has changed. I am so patient and loving now. <clears throat> but back then, um, I hated that neighbor. <laughs> now, now, now I did. Okay? And so... Um, like, like, he would fire that thing up, and, and I'm just like, oh. I'm like, Lord, please, just let the wheel fall off and just go around and, you know, trample everyone in there, you know, and just like, you, know, you, you can do it, Lord. You can do it. I know you can do it. <laughs> well, the Lord doesn't go by my plans, like hardly ever. And so he began to say, hey, I want you to go talk to this neighbor. And I'm like, oh, me too. Glad we're on the same page. And so I began to talk to him, and he began to talk to me like I wasn't even one of his neighbors. As we, as we began to have these conversations, he'd go, eh, you know what I like to do? I like to work on my motorcycle at night. I'm like, really? I never would have known that. He's like, yeah, and you know what? I know the neighbors get mad, but I don't even care. And then he like, used some language that was um, super descriptive about said neighbors and, uh, and what, what they can do if they want to call the cops. And so uh, he, he's talking, and, and I'm, like, I'm like, looking at him, I'm like, dude, I'm one of those neighbors. Like, don't, don't, don't you get it? And so he'd talk, and he'd say, yeah, you know, and we drink, and who cares? You know, all, all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, but I couldn't stop going over to talk to him. There was just something in me. I, I, I had this weird tension in my 
body of wanting to kill him and wanting to save him all at the same time. And honestly, if I'm honest with myself, I wanted to save him so he'd stop working on his motorcycle. Like you'd think, oh, I should think about others. Hey, exactly. Now I don't care where you go to church or whatever. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Now, I'll finish this story in a second, but I want you to see what Paul, the Apostle Paul, goes through a similar type of thing with the church, not, not exactly like that, but the conclusions Paul comes to, because I think when we see his conclusions, it'll then turn our own eyes on ourselves and we go, okay, what? What am I really doing? What does it really mean to walk alongside somebody? Okay, here's, here's the backstory for Paul. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and that church is um, uh, kind of jacked up. And so he wrote, he wrote uh, we have two of the letters he wrote, um, but I think there were about four that he wrote. So, so we just have two of them. And so um, uh, he's writing to them. And one of the things they have a problem with is that Paul, some of the apostles are actually getting paid to be apostles. Um, so uh, uh, Cephas or Paul, Peter is being paid. Jesus' brothers are out. They're being paid. And they kind of have their wives along. And, and this is the thing. But this Corinthian church is bothered that Paul or Barnabas would do that. And so what Paul is doing is he's writing to the Corinthian church. And he's basically making a case. Oh, we have a right to get paid for what we're doing. We're spending all our time building the church up. I mean, this is it. And so, so you'd think to yourself, well, of course he's arguing for that. Like, yeah, I mean, it's all about the money, right? But watch what he does. So he, he makes this argument. He says, who serves as a soldier uh, at his own expense, right? I mean, you couldn't imagine you join the army and, you know, you go out and they're like, okay, we're going to storm this hill and we're going to base camp here. So go out and buy your tents. And you're like, wait, I, I thought, <laughs> like, really? Like, I got to get, yeah, you got to buy your own tent, your own gun, your own food. Like, no, the, the army takes care of it. This is the, what Paul's saying. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? And then he goes in. Not only is this a great argument just between people, but the Bible also talks about this. And he goes back to this Old Testament thing, um, verse that says, don't muzzle the ox while it's threshing. In other words, don't, don't, when, the, when the ox is working in the field, let it eat so it can eat and work at the same time. Don't just like, let, you know, don't stifle it. And this is the argument Paul's making. He's like, even the Bible has this principle that if you're working on something, you should be getting paid by that, that very thing. And so this is, this is his argument. He goes on and he says this. He says, if others have this right um, of support from you, I mean, if you're supporting these other ones, uh, shouldn't we have it all the more? I mean, Paul and Barnabas were heavily invested in this church. But for some reason, that church was saying, no, no, we want all that, but we also want you to get another job so you don't like burden us with your salary or whatever. So Paul's making this statement. Now, you'd think... For Paul, that you go, okay, well, you know, that's what, it's basically a money grab. He's basically going, hey, I get, I get what I, I deserve. Until you read the very next line of what he writes. And you begin to get an idea that Paul's talking about something far greater. That he's, he has a vision that's way bigger than just, is he going to get paid or not? That there's something in the back of Paul's mind that he wants that, that, that's kind of burdening him. And so he says, 
If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? And then he says, but we did not use this right. We're going to give up this right. We're, we're going to go through as uncomfortable as it is, we're not going to get our way on purpose. <laughs> In other words, I, I, I have the ability or the right to complain about this, but I'm not going to. I have certain expectations about something, but I'm going to lay those aside. He says, don't we have the right for this? I mean, man, we have poured everything into this church, into you guys, into the kingdom, into the gospel, all this kind of stuff. You've seen healings. You've seen all these things going on, these powerful move of God. Shouldn't, shouldn't we at least be able to take care of our families? But we set that aside. Watch what he says. Here's his big vision. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. We put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. We could go after our rights. I could have called the cops on that neighbor. I could have like said, dude, I'm, you know what? This is it. I'm going over there. Dude, if I... Here, if I smell one more whiff of marijuana smoke, I'm calling the cops. I could have done all that kind of stuff. But there was something that was happening in me that I realized through the work of the Holy Spirit and this idea that my life is not my own and that I, I am not about my own comfort and all this kind of stuff that began to work in me. Now, now just so you hear me, and we'll see a verse that even... This was not me. This was not me being great. It was the Holy Spirit saying, when you do that, you will be going against the heart of God. And I sense that. So let me ask you, as you think about reaching, or you think about talking to people about Jesus, do you think about convincing them or walking alongside them? Because if you're like me, and I'll bet if I took a poll, I could probably bet 83.796 of you would answer the same way uh, uh, that when you think about like evangelism or you think about you, you, the first thing that pops in, first you get butterflies in your stomach, then you think to yourself, well, I don't have any of the answers. They're going to eat me alive. And, and you know what? If evangelism was that, then yes. Unless it's something different. Unless it's something about going, you know, I don't need to push for my rights right now. The Lord knows what's going on. I can let this thing happen. Yeah, but you don't know my workplace. You don't know my neighbor. You don't know my... Yeah, I, I get all that. I, I get all that. But Paul says this, on the contrary, I'll put up with anything rather than hinder this good news, rather than make it stop with me. In other words, this good news of restoration and, and, and um, a relationship with my Heavenly Father would come, it would change my life, and then it would stop because I wasn't willing to lay down my life and just put up with stuff. He says, in the same way, and he goes back to, in the same way, I, I, I could still get paid for this. In the same way, the Lord has commanded me, we skipped a verse, uh, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And he goes back again in verse 15, but I have not used any of these rights. Then he gets to, 
the heart of the matter in, in, in here. He says, for when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast because I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now, for us, this language of preaching the gospel is foreign to We think of ourselves, well, I ain't going to go at the next staff meeting and say, excuse me, <laughs> you know, and start preaching, right? But what does it look like in your own life? To give up some rights in order to come alongside somebody in order to help them as they journey towards Christ. What does it mean to begin relationships? To let some things slide. Some things that negatively affect you. Maybe you miss out on a promotion or you miss out on something else or, or whatever. What, what does that look like? Now, as I told you, this verse kind of talks back to what I was going through with my neighbor. I, I didn't want to talk to my neighbor. I didn't like my neighbor. My neighbor was an inconvenience to me. He kept me up at night. He, 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 he was loud, and his buddies were loud, and, and, and they, uh, sometimes like, a beer can would make its way over the wall into my yard, right? And it's like, you know, and it's like, I don't know where that came from. Like, I'll tell you exactly. I've dusted it for prints. I know exactly who the person is, that, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But, but there's this compelling that God just wouldn't let me let it go, wouldn't let me get my rights. He just kept telling me over and over again, lay it aside, lay it aside, go talk to him, go talk to him. And it was, I, I can't boast because I was compelled to do it. I just knew God wouldn't leave me alone. Now, here's what happened. So, he's working on his motorcycle. It's still loud. We get this relationship. And, and then he has a baby. <laughs> uh, babies change everything. I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, concept. But, uh, but all of a sudden, he, he began to, uh, we, be, our conversation began to go like, this man, my buddies, and they want to work on the motorcycles at like 11. Do you know how late that is? I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly how late it is, buddy. <laughs> right? He's like, they, they want to be, drink beer. I, I can't, I can't. We got the baby and all this kind of stuff. One, one of the guys brought a bag of weed to my house, and the baby was there. Do you know how irresponsible that is? I'm like, yeah, dude, I do. And he's like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. Now, at that point, I'm just like, Jesus, this is why. You had me do this so that I could see that now he's miserable too. So praise God, we're both miserable. <laughs> you work in mysterious ways. What began to happen is our relationship began to change. And as he began to try to raise a child and keep a marriage together and all this kind of stuff, all the other stuff fell by the wayside. And there was this man who was going after all these things, partying and all this, kind of, which, are, which, you know, ride in the desert every weekend, which is fine. But, but he began to realize, man, there's more to life than that. Where in the world was he going to go? To his friends? Oh, no. Right? His friends practically disowned him once he had a baby because he wasn't any fun anymore. And so... We just began this, this journey together. And uh, Lisa became friends with his wife. And uh, they began to have a Bible study together because the wife didn't work. And Lisa wasn't working at the time. And so they would just sit. And, and it was just this journey. 
Now listen, I don't tell you this because it's like, see, I'm awesome. I, I hopefully I've portrayed enough of my own humanity that I was not awesome through the thing. But the gospel is so important to our heavenly father. This is why reach is like for now our first one. Because the gospel, the good news being for all nations, that all nations would be blessed by it, is pivotal to the heart of your heavenly father. And so if my rights stand in the way of the gospel, my heavenly father says, give up your rights. That's how important it is that you come alongside. And so Living Spring becomes a place of belonging. That those people who might be different or might be at a different life stage or whatever, that this, becomes, that this is a place of diversity, ethnically, socioeconomically. Uh, of idea, a place of diversity of ideas, age-wise, all these things. Because we journey with each other. He goes, if I preach voluntarily, then I have a reward. Because I'm like doing it because I'm a, I'm a great guy. You know, and then I, so I get this great reward. If not, voluntarily, I'm simply, listen to this, discharging the trust committed to me. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you... Look to him for your strength and you look to him for guidance and you look to him to, to kind of um, heal you from your past and all that. You have been committed a trust. The Bible says it this way. It says, um, if any, always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the hope that is in you. It doesn't say always be ready to give a defense so that you may win the argument and it's that all of a sudden you will let down your rights so that you're able to put barriers aside and journey with people. And you're just discharging the trust that's been committed to you. I have this relationship with Jesus. I just, I'm not trying to convince you or anything. I'm just telling you, this is what worked for me. And that was my conversation with him. Every time we just go, well, dude, look, I don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is this. When we went through that same thing with our daughter, we, did, we just got on our knees and we just had to pray. I know you don't believe in God or anything, but I'm just telling you for us, this was the thing. And he began sharing stuff in his life. I, I don't even, I don't, I don't know that he's ever shared with anybody. My job wasn't to convince him. It was just to discharge the trust that's been committed to me. So he says, what is my reward? Just this. And in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge. And so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. And he goes on and he says this just unbelievably un-American statement. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you watch the commercials and, you know, you got your stuff. I mean, it, it's all, I mean, the, kind of the underlying narrative of our culture is, you know, be all you can be. It's about you. You know, here, here's the thing, and, and let me say, to a certain extent, I buy it into it hook, line, and sinker. I have an iPhone 6 Plus because I deserve the biggest one, okay? So I, I get all that. I'm not trying to do, 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 do all that kind of stuff. But listen to what Paul says and think about your own life. Are, are there little spots in your life that you're hanging on to because you deserve it or because, you know, this or that, and you just want to kind of have your thing? Look at what he says. He says, though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone 
Now, that kind of sounds like a doormat, doesn't it? You know, like, well, I'm free, but I just kind of just lay down and whatever you want and, you know, go ahead and fire up your motorcycle and I guess there's nothing I can do, you know, whatever. This is not weak <laughs> language. To lay down your life, to, to, to become a slave to kind of the gospel and have it impact to where you're not going after your own thing is incredibly powerful. In other words, we, all we're doing there is modeling Christ. And Christ was not weak in his humility. When, when Christ went and, and before Pilate and he laid down his life, he, he basically said, you, you, didn't, you didn't take my life from me. I just want you to be, I'm paraphrasing. I'm just letting you know. I'm laying it down. Like right now, I could pretty much call a legion of angels and all this kind of stuff. I could wipe your little thing all over the, you know, but I'm not doing, I'm not going to do that. This is the same thing. Why? It's this last phrase. To win as many as possible so that the nations will be blessed. So that I can just discharge the trust that has been committed to me. And he goes in and he gets, starts giving all these examples of what he's going to do. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. Now, again, this type of language, we think to ourselves because, you know, we, we think, well, you should just be you, man. I'm not going to change for anybody. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to say it like I say. I'm going to do. I'm just going to be me. If they don't like me, that's their problem. See how I dumb that language down? Okay. Anyway, sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that. Okay. Okay. Um, but that, that, that language seems right. But this isn't what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about, oh, well, the Jews might not accept me, so I'm going to become like a Jew. So when you're around the Jews, you're like, what? I can't believe that, they, you know, whatever, or however. You know, you kind of go, go whatever, it's like to the Jew, you know. And so uh, for those of you who are, uh, we don't have any Jewish people in here. Okay, so, um, so it's like, it's like you're, not, you're not being two-faced, okay? You're not like being somebody, you're not. It's strategic, it's powerful. It's, 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 it's not, you know, you, you, I'm going to be this person around this person. It's, it's for the gospel. I don't want anything getting in the way. So I'm going to become, if there's anything that, is, that, that my non-Jewishness gets in the way of the gospel, I'm going to become a Jew in that part of my life. You see what I'm saying? He says, I'm going to become like a Jew. Why? To win the Jews. That's Why? He goes on, he says, uh, to those under the law, I'm going to become like one under the law. Now, this is, this is power. He's changing dietary laws for himself. He's changing lots of stuff. So he's going to show up someplace and not drink something, not eat something, not, you know, go to, he's going to, he's like really, this is a big deal. If he's not under the law and he goes and he just becomes like someone under the law, he's laying down a lot of his freedom. Like, why would you do that? So as to win those under the law. Any part of my life that gets in the way of that person under the law seeing the gospel, I'm going to remove it. Anything they need to see in me that kind of gives a lens into my life, I'm going to put it there so that they can see it. That, that's what reaching is. That's what belonging is. He goes on to this. He says, to those not having the law... I become like one not having the law. Now this one, this one, this one should make, if you're a Christian, you're like, woohoo, 
Ooh, I can go to clubs. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Like if I'm around my buddies and they don't know the Lord, I'm going to go do that. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about you give up like the things that God would call you not to do. He's just saying that in this way, don't, if there's something in you that's stopping somebody from seeing the gospel because it's something you're holding on to, remove it. And that's why he says, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under the Christ's law. So there, are, there is some limits there. Why? So as to win those not having the law. He says this, to the weak, I became weak. I, I, you have this great, you know, uh, intellect and all these degrees and all this kind of stuff. And that's kind of how, how you're identified. And you go, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to use those words or dude, I'm just going to be around people who are, are I'm not going to let them think, Oh, you've got to know all this stuff to be a Christian or right now. No, I'm, I'm just going to be normal. Why to win the week? If I have all sorts of money and that's my power and that's my thing, I'm not going to show up to the thing in a Ferrari and do all this kind of stuff because that's my power. And that's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dress normal and be normal. Why? To win the week. And here's what he says as Ajua comes back up. I become all things to all people by all means, uh, by all possible means, I might save some. In other words, my life becomes an offering. Paul said it this way one time. He says, even if my life is being poured out as a drink offering, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Now, imagine if you went to a church where that's how they were. See, in large part, I believe that's who we are actually here. And, 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 and so I, my vision for 2015 is that we just continue in that, that we begin to look at ourselves and say, is there anything getting in the way that's hindering the gospel in my life? Do I get angry at something when I, do I, have, I shouldn't be angry? Do I have to press for my rights in a certain way? I mean, this, this happens in churches all the time where you'll see the church even in itself implode. Because some person wants this a certain way and that a certain way and they're demanding their rights and I, I don't want to give this up and I don't want to give this up and it's just... <laughs> Why does he do this? Does it all for the sake of the gospel? The good news. The fact that all nations would be blessed. We're going to... Um, Audra's going to lead us in another song and... Um, Basically, what we do during this time is uh, we, we leave it open for a few things to happen. One is just begin to look at your life and just say, is there anything? Not, not do I have to learn all the answers about all this kind of stuff. Is there anything in my life that's hindering the gospel, the good news? And God, how do I get it removed? Lord Jesus, uh, as we enter into this time, I uh, just pray that you'd speak to us and that we would have ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen.